morning. Uh, I'm going to read from God's Word, so please stay standing and then we'll sit down. Uh, the scripture for today is John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He whom I said, He who comes after Me ranks before Me because He was before Me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. This is the Word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Uh, King Jesus, as we come together as your people, we come together to worship you. We come together to worship the God who made all things, who for your own glory and for our joy entered into human history, uh, did things unthinkable and unimaginable in our small human minds, so great and glorious as you walked upon the earth, as you died on the cross for our sins, as you rose from the dead to make us right, to pay the price for sin, to give us life. And Jesus, you will return again to restore all things the way they are were meant to be when you created them. We come to worship you, Jesus. I pray that we would understand that Christmas is a glorious, glorious time because we celebrate your incarnation. We celebrate the fact that you came to crush Satan's sin and death. We celebrate the fact that you uh, came to tear the curtain in two so that we could have full and unfettered access to God through you, Jesus, and that you would send us your Spirit to empower us to live for your glory. And so I pray that, that my words, uh, though feeble and weak, uh, would be for your glory, uh, that, that this time we have together would be for your glory, and that in this little room, in this little city, in this little time in history, uh, we would make much of your name, because your name is so worthy to be glorified. And so help us, empower us, and, and make us live for you, Jesus. Please help me as I preach this text. Whatever's just of me, may it be forgotten, but the things of you, may they shine in our hearts. Uh, Jesus, we love you and pray these things for your glory and for our joy and in your name, Jesus Christ, amen. You guys can have a seat. Um, this is my first time in the pulpit in six weeks, as many of you know. Um, for, for those of you who don't know or if, or if you're new, my name is Andrew. I'm the preaching pastor of the church. Um, my 21-month-old, this is the part where I try not to cry for an hour in front of everybody because that's embarrassing. Uh, but my 21-month-old uh, Thaddeus uh, has been diagnosed with a very serious form of leukemia, and he's being treated, and I've been uh, out of the pulpit now for six or so weeks, and I just want to thank everybody for your prayers, your support, everything you've done to help us along the way. 
uh, for the guys who filled in. Uh, Eric and Joe basically benched me for a month and a half, which I appreciate, um, and just allowed me to take care of my family. Um, kind of where we're at right now, uh, you know, last night I'm putting the kids to bed, mama's got baby asleep, uh, I'm tucking the kids in, we read our Jules Verne, and we read the Bible, and everyone's tucked in, everyone's had their water, and it's time to pray everybody. The baby wakes up screaming, uh, he's got a fever, and we have to go to ER uh, because he has no immune system at this point in time, and so any, any little thing means we're in the ER. Uh, so he, he is there. Um, me and the three larger children uh, left at about two, in the, or we got home at about two in the morning. Um, and of course, as I'm putting them to bed, the kitchen needs to be cleaned from dinner. Everyone's tucked in. I'm about ready to take the work that I've done in the text to get ready to preach a sermon and put it together as a sermon when the baby wakes up. So uh, the text today is not a polished uh, sermon per se, but um, it is what it is, and I, and I thank the Lord for it. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the table over there. Feel free to grab one. We will be in John chapter 1. Uh, I missed all the Christmas sermons, and so this is my Christmas sermon that I get to preach. Uh, and so if I'm going to preach a Christmas sermon, it's going to be from John uh, 1. Uh, and I think this is so important for us. Uh, it's so important for us as Christians not to forget the power of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Uh, it, it's so awesome. I love uh, Christmas, and I, and I love uh, you know my little girls, little porcelain, uh, silly sort of hallmark thing my mom uh, pawned off on her that she puts out with a little baby Jesus, and I love all the Christmassy uh, stuff, but I think sometimes we forget what God has done uh, in entering into human history, and John won't let us forget it here. Uh, John doesn't give us a genealogy, which are good, and he doesn't give us a birth narrative, which is good. John gives us this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So here we are in verse 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, in the beginning uh, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. What John is doing here is he's giving us no room. Absolutely everything but Jesus gets crowded out. It goes away. Forget what you've heard. This is what counts. This one who came, who made all things. Uh, the thing that you are about to hear, that John is about to unpack for us, uh, is not the story of a good teacher or a prophet or, a, or even a semi-divine being, but God Himself who made absolutely every particle in the universe is about to enter into human history, to take on human flesh, to come into the world, to do mighty and huge things. He leaves us no room. The reason I'm in this text today is that as my son has been in the hospital and I've been dealing with stuff, there have been a couple of texts that I've just clung to, and this is one of them. And, and, and this Christmas has meant more to me in the reality that Jesus has come to conquer Satan, sin, and death, that Jesus has entered into world, the world to fix the things that human beings ultimately broke through our sin. That has been a, a text and a reality that's been so near and dear to me. I mean, this is, this is powerful stuff. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, this, this language here, uh, despite what the Jehovah's Witness want us to think about this text, uh, this language is leaving no room. He's crowding out all other options. Jesus is God or He is nothing. Jesus is absolutely everything, period. And everything gets crowded out. And, and, and you don't even need to know Greek that if you took this text... Boom, and you put it in Greek, and you put it next to Genesis 1-1 in the beginning. 
in Greek, you could look at it right along with me and say, hey, look, all those little letters that don't make any sense with little doodads and whatnot, they're the same, right? He's remixing Genesis 1.1. And when I say remixing, he's taking it and he's filling it out for us, right? You know, this happens with a good sample in a song, right? If, if a song samples another song well, you'll never forget the sampled version of the song. To this day, if I hear the Bee Gees, I hear Wyclef, because that's what happened when I was in high school. That was real. And now I'm dating myself, right? Uh, I, I hear the two songs together. This is what John wants us to do. He wants you, if you are a Christian, never, ever, ever, ever again to read Genesis 1-1 without thinking, Jesus, 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 Jesus. This is what he's doing. This is what the New Testament authors do. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament text. And to be frank, if you don't understand the New Testament well, you will never, ever, ever be able to understand the Old Testament at all. Jesus says this, right? You think you've got Abraham. If you don't have me, you don't have anything. Uh, so much has been made, I'll, I'll just be honest, so much is being made right now of the, uh, 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 the faiths that have to do with Abraham, who claims some kind of lineage to Abraham. What Jesus is saying is if you don't have me, you don't have God, you don't have Abraham, and you don't even have a claim on him. All other things are crowded out. Everything is crowded out. And so when we hear this, we're, we're supposed to hear Genesis, and from here on out, when you read Genesis, you're supposed to hear John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. No Jesus, no Lord. No Jesus, no life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now listen, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the you are here on the mall map when you can't find your way to wherever you're going. You are here. The world is broken. The world is dark. The world is falling apart. And we live in a time in a place where there are enough comforts for us as Americans in 2015 that we can miss the fact that the world is in a state of entropy. And every once in a while, one of these meteorites hits your life. And there you are on the seventh floor at Children's. And there's brokenness. And when you realize this, you also realize there's brokenness in our lives, there's brokenness in our city, there's illness, there's sickness, there's death, there's sin. It's in us, it's outside of us, we're being sanctified, we're being changed. This is where we are at. The world is a dark place. But, but, even in his order, the light shines in the darkness. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope for our sin. There's hope for ourselves. There's hope for our world. There's hope for sickness. There's hope for illness. There's hope for death. And it's nothing we can do. It's nothing we can cook up. It's not some uh, peace treaty we can work out. It's not something we can do. We are in such a state that we need something to come from outside of us to fix the problem of the brokenness and the darkness. And so often we're trying to fix it and we're trying to do it and we're trying to make it happen. We need Jesus. It's a desperate state. 
everything needs to be crowded out and room made and the deck cleared for Jesus. He is the object of worship. We are the worshipers. He is the object of our praise and proclamation. He's the one who's come to save. He is the one that is worthy and we are the ones that are needy. You are here. If you're in Christ, this is where you're at. The light shines in the darkness. There is life for us and no one can take that from us. If you're outside of Christ, this is where you're at. You're just in the darkness. And the answer is not meditating your way out of it. Your your answer is not doing good things to get out of it. Your answer is coming to Jesus with empty hands. He who is God, who made all things, who came to fix what we have broken. He's come to fix the things that you've broken in your life. He's come to fix the things that humanity has broken in the world. He's come to fix these broken things. And he has come to do it. And light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it, period. The NIV 84, generally a good translation, generally good stuff. If you use that one because it's readable, the problem is in this one line they say the darkness has not understood it. They get that from Jerome, thanks Jerome, from the Vulgate, from a word he uses for comprehend. It's not comprehend. It's not understood. It's overcome. Of course the darkness doesn't understand him. Of course it doesn't understand him. But it's not overcome him. In the middle of suffering and trial, I need you to know if you're a part of this church, if I'm with you as you've been with me, battling in these times and these places in the darkness and the mess, I will tell you the truth that Jesus is king and he's got it. That he's working out good for all who love him and that is the truth. And the darkness will will not overcome. We worship a God who is about the business of being light in the darkness. And even when the darkness is dark. That's why Christmas counts, by the way. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is another you are here moment. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The light. Prophet, awesome. Jesus, awesomer. Okay? But the thing that they're going to be thinking, the thing that they're thinking when even John shows up, they're like, wait, are you the guy? Are you the one who God promised for all these thousands of years is going to fix all the broken stuff? Are you the guy? Not the guy. He's coming, though, is what John says. And Jesus' ministry is so confusing. Even John asked that question of Jesus. He sends his disciples out when he's in jail. Go ask him if he's the one or we should ask for another. And of course, what does Jesus answer? He answers with Isaiah. He answers with, hey, Moat stuff from the Old Testament? Yeah, that's about me. It's happening. I don't know if they said, that's not, I don't know how you write that in the Greek text, but there it is. But the good news is my children are very good at making sound effects because they play Legos with me. I make sound effects. Um, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. This is what John wants for you. This is John's agenda. And he's clear on it. He wants you to believe 
that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is God himself who came to dwell among us. And he's going to say it again and again and again. This is written so you would believe. People might say, well, yeah, but the biblical authors, they had a bias. Yeah, they did. The bias was they believed and knew for a fact that Jesus was God himself who came into human history to pay the price for sin and to save sinners. And so, yes, there is a bias. By the way, the true light, the true light, the real light, the great light, the wonderful light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. John sees the irony here. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Put our finger right there and think about that just for a minute. Um, John, simple writer, saying simple things, but they're really deep and profound. So, the one who made absolutely everything entered into that everything. God is not everything. God is outside of everything. God made everything, and God came into that. Jesus himself came into that. Yet the world did not know him. The irony. So the one who made everything showed up in the middle of everything. And the people who lived here in the everything, including the people he made, didn't get it. They didn't get who he was. I think John wants you to get it. Don't miss it. Listen, listen to his words and don't miss it. He came to his own. Tragic. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. The one they'd been waiting for. The one they'd been looking for. The one they'd been studying the scriptures to understand. Again, no Jesus, no Bible, right? If you don't know Jesus, you don't get the Old Testament whatsoever. Jesus is the interpretive framework for the Old Testament. If you want to understand anything that it's saying, it's Jesus. Understand it through Jesus, what Jesus has said about it, what it tells us about Jesus and what comes through, true through Jesus. We want to understand our Bibles. We need to understand the New Testament. And So right now my life is written in pencil. And I thank both you as the members of the church and, and the leaders in the church for allowing my life to be a little written in pencil. Uh, you know, I sent out my text last night and said, hey, we're headed to the ER. And I got a text back from Eric who said, hey, I have a couple sermons in the can. Do you need me to preach for you tomorrow? That means a lot to me. I feel so supported in that. I feel, I feel uh, like a member of the church. Hey, how about that? Because I'm a member of the church, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, one of the things that I've become really convicted of uh, in this time as I'm going to the Word, as I'm seeking to be comforted by Jesus in the middle of this mess, uh, is I keep coming to Philippians. I'm reading Philippians over and over and over and over again, right? And, and something I think that's become really apparent to me is if we are going to understand our Bibles, we need to understand our New Testament. We need to have this thing on straight. And, and we need to know, you need to know, uh, because you have... Uh, you need to know this for the, for the good times and the bad times, the high times, the low times, the, the times you get to encourage and the times you need to rebuke, the times that you need to comfort and the times that you need to exhort, the time you need to encourage and all these things. You need to know your Bible in such a way that that is your thing. It belongs to you. 
And, and we need to know not just a verse we can pull out of the air, but the books that we need to go to. We need to know the theology of Philippians. You need to know what you can bring to someone in crisis. You need to know the theology of Acts so you can understand what missions in the world is supposed to look like. You need to understand the theology of the book of Revelation so you can understand what Jesus is going to do when this thing's all said and done. And these things need to be tools in your toolkit. You need to understand what these books are if you're going to understand anything. And so what we're going to do in pencil, this is different than what we were going to do because we erased that. Got erased, you know. I'm going to go through every book of the Bible, one a week, and we're going to hit it. And I want, when we're done, to you have a good overview. I know what Matthew is about. You could say, yeah, I know what Colossians is about. And I could tell you at the core what it's about. And I could tell you what it's telling you about Jesus. And now I own it for myself and can proclaim the truth of Jesus from that text. So we're just going to start in Matthew. We'll do Matthew. We're not going to go line by line. We'll take a line by line section, the big core line by line section, because I'm an exegetical preacher, and I don't want to deviate from that. I don't want to say, hey, this is what I think Matthew is about. Fortunately, the gospel writers have all, and all the writers have written. They've written these things so that you know. They have like a core thesis. Thesis? Yeah, we'll call it a thesis. Right? That if you own that thing, that if you know in Mark's gospel the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, and you own that text and you understand the rest of the text through it, all of a sudden you can read Mark in a way that it makes sense to you because this is your Bible. That has always been my aim as the preacher of the church, that you understand this is yours. Because crisis is coming and good times are coming and bad times are coming and you need to own this thing for yourself. Right? And you need to know that your church loves you and we're here to help you with that. But also like when you're in that moment, the good times and the bad times, we laugh and cry together, right? That we're here to exhort each other in the word. We've got to be Bible people if we're going to be able to be that kind of church. So just start marching through it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you know the rest because they go in order. Let's go in order. Let's march on through because you need to own these things for yourself. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Now listen. This, Charlie Brown, is what Christmas is about. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ... It's not to check a box. It's not to buy fire insurance. It's not to, to, to deal with some. It's to become a child of God. It's to enter into that kind of relationship with God that you could be called the child of the one who made all things. Sins cleansed. That has to happen to become a child of God. Jesus came to die on the cross to cleanse you from your sins. But he also came to give life, right? That's the light and life part. But listen to this. Who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It's not your family that makes you a Christian. You can be born into an awesome, great, godly Christian family, or not, and be a Christian. It's not the will of man. It's not institutions that make you a Christian, right? As members of a church together, to be a member, you say, yeah, this person's a Christian. We can, as a church, sign off on this person's credible Christian witness. But we don't make you a Christian. We just acknowledge what God's already done. 
right? So it's not institutions that make a person a Christian, right? Nor the will of the flesh. It's not your efforts. It's not what you do. It's not that you got up early and read your Bible and gave to the poor and prayed and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's not what makes you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is what? But the will of God. God's call on our life to reach down and to save sinners. Now, yeah, absolutely, because we've been saved. We want our families to be awesome displays of the gospel of Jesus Christ in response to what he's done. And yeah, you want to read your Bible because you want to know Jesus and you pray because you have full access to God. And you want to love people and take care of people and be part of a church and all these things. But these are responses to what God has done on our behalf through the person of Jesus. And they're a grace to us. They're a gift to us. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt. God was born as a baby, became a human being, and lived here. Lived here. With us. This, this word here, dwelt, it's the same kind of language that's used in the Greek uh, Old Testament. Septuagint, fun word to say. For the tabernacle. He pitched his tent with us. It's the same word that's used when God's people lived with God in the desert. The pillar of smoke by day, the pillar of fire by night. God dwelt in and amongst his people and the priests would go and there was this ex. No, no, no. Now it's, now it's full. And now God has come to dwell among us, come to live here with us. He ascends after the cross and sends the Spirit. And John's Gospel say, I have to go so someone else can come. But His presence here is the beginning of God's presence with us. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. God is present with you. God is present with you. What a truth. I mean, these truths are just sweet to me right now. God's with my wife and my child on the seventh floor of cancer care. He's not absent there. It is a place of such mixed hope and despair. And God is not absent. He's there. He's there with his people, dwelling with them. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the great inauguration of that reality. He's ascended now and sitting in the right hand of God the Father, but he came and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. He didn't dwell here to make you feel better about your life. He didn't dwell here to make you feel better about yourself. He dwelt here to reveal His glory. And what glorifies Him is to be a God among us who takes care of us and loves us, not because of anything we've done, but everything He has done. It's all Him. It's all a gift. It's all grace. In the good times and the bad times, He's here with us for His glory and for our joy. And that is the point of our life. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son. The Son alone. This one particular Son that's different than all other sons. We can be called children of God, but we are not the Son of God. He's unique and different, the object of our worship. God Himself, Jesus Christ. 
If you want to know God, look at the face of Jesus. God has revealed Himself to us through His Son. And we have such a wonderful and perfect record of that reality here in this text. We have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Verse 15. John comes. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Now, of course, an interesting note in Luke, John's his cousin and John's older. Right? Not a lot older, just a little bit older. A little bit older. Well, how is he before you? Uh, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. For from his fullness we have all received, and I think here he's, he's talking specifically uh, to the church community that this text is going into. But we have all received grace upon grace. And even if you're not a Christian, if you are hearing this now, this is grace upon grace to you. This is, this is the truth of God. This is You can know God right now. You can become a child of God today. This is grace upon grace to you. But that means something different, those who are hearing and those who have heard. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was good in its time. The way God related to people in the Old Covenant was good in its time, but they knew something better was coming. They knew that from Abraham, that something better was coming. So God related to his people a certain way in the Old Covenant, and how in the New Covenant, as things have changed through the Christ event, he relates to his people in a new way. The law was grace to them. God told them how to live and how to live as a set-apart people, but something so much better and greater was coming. The old covenant is, I will be your God and you will be my people if you live in my ways. The new covenant where Jesus comes to dwell inside of us, the law is written on our hearts, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. This is grace to us now. The old covenant, I will be your God and you will be my people if you walk in my ways. The new covenant, I will be your God and you will be my people and I will cause you to walk in my ways. Right? We don't need the temple system anymore because we had the great sacrifice in the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are both grace. They're just God's grace administered in different ways at different times. And now we have this thing that John is saying is, by the way, way, way better than the thing that they were actually waiting for in the Old Covenant. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God. So God is spirit. God's immaterial in that way. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus, who's at the Father's side, has made God known to us, the people of God. Christmas, right? That's what Christmas is about. I am, I am a Christmas enthusiast. Uh, whole thing, all the, all the commercial stuff everyone's too good for Christmas trees and decorations that people think are ugly and uh, peppermint mocha lattes here. Have my 50 bucks for my one coffee. I'll take it. It's Christmas time. Uh, you know, I will be found in the car too loud listening to Mariah Carey. I don't care. I love it all, right? I'm in. Alvin and the Chipmunk song. Put it on again. Feliz Navidad. Run it one more time. I love all of it, and it's great. We can have that and more, right? Uh, every year... They still run it for some reason. Uh, 
I'm, I'm assuming at least I watched it on DVD, so maybe on TV they cut the good part out. The whole point of the whole Charlie Brown dilly, right? Years, years later, Christians still love it and decorate our churches with Charlie Brown stuff because you're going to read from Luke's gospel, right? That is good and that is important. And let us not forget that that is the point of Christmas. Dot, dot, dot. And, and let us not forget, even that stuff that makes us feel good, let Christmas live in your heart 365 days a year. Thank you, Ebenezer Scrooge. But what does that mean? We're going to listen to Mariah Carey year-round. All I want for Christmas is you, and Starbucks is going to pump out the mochas, and we're going to have nativity scenes all the time. I mean, we could do that. I would be fine there. I'm, I'm, I don't have to wait till after Thanksgiving. I'm okay there, right? But it means way more than that. This is Jesus who is the fulfillment of God's plan through his scriptures to redeem all of humanity. This is Christmas. Christmas is where we celebrate the fact that Jesus came to crush Satan, to end evil powers, to defeat and wash us clean from our sin, uh, to, to, to begin the work of fulfilling all things to put the world back the way it's supposed to be. Yes, Christmas 365. Yes, God dwelling among us all the time. Yes, let us remember the incarnation along with the divinity together in his glory. God who came and wept and was sick and who cried and felt and who had friends and who had people stab him in the back and who dealt with friends dying, who had dealt with sick people and poor people and dealt with all those things and loved and loved and loved as a foretaste of the restoration that he was going to work for his people and in his creation. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a blow against sin, and it's a blow against Satan, and it's a blow against death, and it's a blow against all these things, and they're coming together, and they're coming together. Christmas should affect our past. If you are a Christian, you are washed clean from your sins. That empowers us to turn from our sin and turn to Jesus. That empowers us to repent of the things, to believe and trust his word and believe what he says about our life more than we believe what we say about our life. Right? And if you're not a Christian, it affects your past because he washes it clean. It says, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Uh, language like, your sin is as far as the east is from the west. Uh, if you become a Christian, your sin is so separated and far from you that God sees you as a child of God, redeemed, forgiven, and loved. Not because of anything you've done, but everything he's done. But it also affects our present. Because Jesus is our faithful high priest. Because he was here and can know. And, and, and you can say all you want that people don't understand whatever you're going through. But the thing, the scriptures are so clear. I don't have to understand what you're going through. You need to know that Jesus understands what you're going through because he came and dwelt among us so that he could be a faithful high priest to us. That is the reality of our fight against sin and our war for God's glory in our own life that Jesus is with us and knows and has sent the Spirit to empower us. And this affects, Christmas affects our future because there was a first advent and there will be a second advent. He will come ripping through the sky. He will come to wipe every tear from the eyes of his people. He will come and put this world back the way it's supposed to be. It's coming and it all started right here. In the beginning was the Word. Christmas is awesome. If you don't know Jesus, today is the day. This is the God we worship. We're not a people who are just trying to follow some rules, though. We obey because we love him and trust him. We're people who love Jesus, God himself. We're people who are responding to the power of who he is and what he's done. And if you are a Christian, man, where are we at with this stuff? Do you cherish the incarnation? 
Do, do you cherish the promises of the Old Testament and the reality of the New? Do you cherish the fact that you, you are a person made new and have full access to God and that God came and dwelt among us so that God could come and dwell among us? He came to wash us clean of sin to bring the Spirit to His people. Closes down Revelation 21. The dwelling place of God is with man. In a fullest fullest unfettered way. He's coming for his people. He's going to come here and he's going to dwell here and we're going to see him with unveiled face. And we long and look for that day. Is that your overriding reality in the middle of crisis? Do you trust him in that? Is that your overriding reality in joy? Forgiven, loved, redeemed, being redeemed, and will be redeemed. Is your life in response to this or is this just sort of on the sidelines? Because every breath Every second that you have is a gift from Jesus for his glory. You enjoy him, you appreciate him, and you enjoy him for his glory. And you trust him. I don't know what you came in here with today. I know what I came in here with today. I came literally from a doctor's appointment to come here, and Jesus is good. I came from meeting with an oncologist, literally got in my car from the hospital here to preach. I don't know what you came in here with. That's what I came in here with. God is good, he is faithful, and he is true no matter what. I'm going to pray for us. We'll get up and sing to Jesus. Lord God, we long for the day that we see you with unveiled face. We long for the day that, that, that what they saw when you dwelt among us as human beings, what the apostles got to experience, what your disciples, and even people who didn't even believe, that we get to see you in your glory. Not, not just in your, your, your humility as a baby, but in your glory as the king of all things. When you return and you, you judge the wicked and, and put all things under your feet fully in its fullness. We long for that. We trust that you're ruling and reigning, seated at the right hand of the Father, and we're just waiting for that day that he puts all things under your feet. We're waiting for Psalm 110 to come to its fullness. I pray for everyone who's, who's dealing with crisis or sickness or ministering to those who are God that the reality of Christmas, the incarnation, would be, would be fuel for the fire of their worship and their ministry to others and your ministry to them. I thank you for this church which has proven itself to be a faithful and true church who loves your word and loves each other and how much I've tasted and seen that firsthand as a recipient of that grace. Thank you for this church, for what you're doing through this church. We pray for our city that they would know the reality of the incarnation. Jesus, please help us to worship you with absolutely every fiber and ounce of our being till our very last breath. Because you're so wonderful and so beautiful and so glorious. Jesus, we love you and pray these things for your glory and for our joy in your name. Jesus Christ, amen. Um, in a moment, we're going to take communion. When you're ready, this is for Christian people. This is people who have been bought by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, we come together to take communion. Uh, uh, we were instructed by the Apostle Paul to consider our sins as we come to this cup. But we come to this cup as a celebratory people who know that Jesus has bled and died to make us free, to pay the price for our sins, to drink the cup of wrath that we deserve so we don't have to. And so we come and we take this in celebration as, as His people for His glory, as children of God, as people who have been given the right to become children of God. So we consider our sin, we turn from our sin, we turn to Jesus. When you're ready, come take this and celebrate. Uh, stand up and sing because Jesus is so glorious and wonderful. Um, thank you.